How are y'all this morning? Good. Good, all right. So the today's message is going to be on, it's going to be called Remember When. So I've been hearing a lot of talk of remember when gas was $1.99. And then with some people, it's like, remember when gas was only a dollar? And then my grandparents or grandparents are like, remember when gas was only a quarter? Or, you know, you know when you can go and buy a hamburger and a Coke for only 10 cents? I was like, man, I wasn't even born during those times when only a hamburger and a Coke cost 10 cents. Or how about when you go to family reunions or get together with family or friends and you just remember about the old times? I know when I get together with my cousins, I remember uh, we'd have a lot of cookouts and my dad would always take a potato and wrap it in aluminum foil and throw it in the fire. Well, one day we decided to take out some of those potatoes and fill them up with charcoal and threw them in the fire. And I hear my dad just just scream and cuss because he burned his hand because those charcoals got so hot when he grabbed for those aluminum foil. So that was pretty funny. <laughs> I was like, I remember my cousins and I were like, we we're hiding because I'm like, oh, this isn't going to be good. My dad's on, on fire. Um, but, you know, if you have kids or grandkids, they grow up so fast. I mean, it just seems like a blink of an eye. I was holding my son and my daughter at the hospital, and now they're 20, and one's a senior in high school. Just time flies, and you just realize that you don't have that much time in, the, in this world. And we're always remembering about, you know, what we did and what we had and whatever. But what we need to be remembering of, of is what Jesus has done for us. What has God done for us in our lifetime? I'm going to be in the book of Deuteronomy today. Why Deuteronomy? Well, a few Last year, I always go through the Bible every year and read through it. I was in my study of Romans. And when I was reading Deuteronomy, I was like, hmm, I wonder if I should read this. And then when I got to when Jesus was tempted in the wilderness, he quoted Deuteronomy. I was like, well, you know what? If Jesus quotes Deuteronomy, I might as well do an in-depth study on it and see what it has in there. So Deuteronomy is the last book of the what's called the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible. Uh, the old Greek translation for Deuteronomy, uh, it's a copy of the law or the second law. Basically, it means it's not a new law or another law. It's just God, Moses is telling Joshua and the Israelites or reminding them of the law. Now, this is, this is the, he's giving this Deuteronomy. It goes right before they go into the promised land, right before Moses passes away. Because Moses doesn't get to go into the promised land because he sinned. And God said, hey, you can look at the promised land. And then after you see it, you're going to die. It's like, well, okay. <clears throat> so I'm in chapter 11 of Deuteronomy if you want to go there. Like I said, Deuteronomy is the last book before Joshua. So Joshua is going to take, he knows that he's going to be taking over Israel. He's going to be leading the people. But if you put yourself in Joshua's shoes and you see the people that he's going to lead, he's going to remember, oh, I remember the time when they tried to kill Moses and Aaron. They revolted. Or I remember the time when, when, the, when Caleb and I went with 10 other Israelites into the promised land and, and, they, and the other 10 came back with negative news and we had to walk in this wilderness for 40 years. Is that going to happen again? 
So Moses is teaching Joshua and Israel, look, this is what happens. This is what happens when you study the law. This is what happens when you stay, when you keep your eyes on God. And let's just talk about what happened when God was with us every time, what we did or what we went through. So in Deuteronomy 11, or yeah, 11, chapter, uh, verse 1 says, Therefore you shall love the Lord your God and keep his charge, his statutes, his judgments, and his commandments always. Know today that, do, that I do not speak with your children who have not known and who have not seen the chastening of the Lord your God. His, great, his greatness and his mighty hand and his outstretched arm. His signs and his acts which he did in the midst of Egypt to Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and to all his land. What he did to the army of Egypt, to their horses and their chariots. How he made the waters of the Red Sea overflow them as they pursued you. And how the Lord has destroyed them to this day. What he did for you in the wilderness until you came to this place. And what he did to Datham and Abram, the sons of Eliab, the son of Reuben. How the earth opened its mouth and swallowed them up their households, their tents, and all the substance that was in their possession in the midst of Israel. But your eyes have seen every great act of the Lord which he did. So he's telling Joshua, see, don't worry about it. Everything's going to be all right. Remember what happened to the people that, uh, that revolted against um, Moses and Aaron? They got judged. They got eaten. God opened up the earth. That whole crew got eaten up and swallowed up. And some of this new generation hadn't seen, they didn't come from Egypt. They grew up in the wilderness. So they've had, they've heard stories of where they came from, what brought them from Egypt to the, to the, to the wilderness, now going into the promised land. You know, the, is, the Israelites were slaves in Egypt. I mean, they were treated bad. And now they're going into their own land. This new generation is going to have their own land. And I think it's important for us to share our testimony. Mark 5.19 says, And he did not permit him, but said to him, Go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. This is a guy that was in the cemetery. And God saved, or Jesus saved him, uh, took out the demon out of him. And the guy wanted to follow Jesus and his disciples, but he goes, no, I'm not going that direction. Jesus is saying, I'm not going in that direction, but you would be a perfect example, a perfect testimony to them. So go home to your family and your friends. And that's according to the word. That's what he did. First Peter 3.15 says, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. See, we need to be sharing, telling people what God has done for us. And like for me, for example, and I'm, I'm guilty of this all the time. I don't share my testimony as much as I, I need to or should. My testimony is kind of embarrassing, you know. I, I went from being a cutter. I didn't do drugs or didn't alcohol. I mean, I did drink, but not every day, you know, every once in a while. But I cut myself all the time. When something went bad, that was my go-to was cutting myself. I'd cut my arms, I'd cut my chest. I remember in September of 2007, I'll never forget that. I just, I just wanted to give up on life. I had no hope. It was a rough year. And I remember taking a knife and just carving a big X just right across my chest. I mean, just a big X. I mean, it was bleeding. And I said, just take me. I'm done. I'm done. But that's not what God said. He goes, no, I have better plans for you. So that year one of my buddies from work invited me to his church and 
the first Sunday of 2008, I started going to church, and I haven't looked back since. You know, I've struggled with pornography. Another, another thing, you know, um, you know, Buck has that series that, you know, you struggle with men that are struggling with pornography. Man, it, that's also another embarrassing thing to talk about. It's tough, you know. But as many times as I've shared my testimony or talked to people or friends or whoever, you know, they've always said, hey, I thought I was the only one. Well, that's the same way when I was cutting. I thought I was the only one that was cutting because you never hear of people cutting nowadays. It's mostly hidden, but it's in there. It's even in the Bible. So, but every time I've given my testimony, I've always had somebody come up and say, man, I needed to hear that because I've been struggling with that. I, was, I thought I was the only one. And after that, you're like, you realize that you're, you, you know, you read your word, you could tell people about Jesus, but once you give your personal story, man, it's, it's a life changer. It's different. It also helps you to, it protects your heart, it guards your heart. Because when you're telling people about where you came from and what your struggles are and what Jesus has done for you, it keeps you humble. It realizes, man, I can't do this in this world by myself. I need Jesus. Because you never know who needs to hear that. So always be ready. Deuteronomy 1 verses 8 through 10 says, Therefore, you shall keep every commandment which I command you today, that you may be strong. And go and possess the land which you cross over to possess. And that you may prolong your days in the land which the Lord swore to give your fathers to them and their descendants, a land flowing with milk and honey. For the land which you go to possess is not like the land of Egypt from which you have come, where you sowed your seed and watered it by foot as a vegetable garden. In that verse 8, it says that you may be strong. Well, at this point, Joshua hasn't read Joshua 1.9 that said, be strong and courageous for I'm with you always. There's a power in that name of Jesus. You don't realize how much power there is in the name of Jesus. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And all we have to do is just read his word and pray every day and get filled with the Holy Spirit. He's always with us. We just have to go to him. What's interesting in that verse that says, for the land which you go to possess, in verse 10, is not like the land of Egypt from which you have come, where you sowed your seed and watered it by foot as vegetable garden. If you've ever done Google Maps or Google Earth and gone to Egypt, you'll see that it's a big brown spot. It's just dry. And Egypt, they have their own watering system back in the day where they use the Nile River to build canals or irrigation ditches so they can water their crops in their land. They had to work hard to get the crops that they had, and they had to go to the Nile River to make sure that it flowed into their gardens. And they had to make sure that it rained for the river to come up and overflow so they can get that water to water their crops. That seems like a lot of work, doesn't it? I mean, especially if you're farmers, you know how, especially nowadays, when it's not, when we're going through this drought, how hard it is to keep, um, you know, your, your crops watered. Or if you have pa uh, cows in the pasture, there's no food for them to eat. They need grass to eat. Deuteronomy 1, verses 11 through 15. But the land which you cross over to possess is a land of hills and valleys, which drinks water from the rain of heaven, a land for which the Lord your God cares, 
The eyes of the Lord your God are always on it from the beginning of the year to the very end of the year. And it shall be that if you earnestly obey my commandments, which I command you today, to love the Lord your God and serve him with all your heart and with all your soul, then f- then I will give you the rain for which for your land in its season, the early rain and the latter rain, that you may gather in your grain, your new wine, and your oil. And I will send grass in your fields for your livestock, that you may eat and be filled. So they came from Egypt where they had to work. And probably the Egyptians weren't the ones that were watering the crops. It was probably Israel, the Egyptians making the Israelites to go water their crops, build these ditches, so there could be water flowing from the Nile River. But it says, the land your God cares for, the eyes of the Lord your God are always on it from beginning of the year to the very end. And it shall be, if you earnestly obey my commandments, which I command you today to love the Lord your God and serve him with all your heart and with all your soul, I will give you the rain. So all the land that they were going to, it was in valleys, God says. It says, you don't have to do any work. All the fruit is already there. I'm going to provide the rain. You're not going to have to go to the Nile River. You're not going to have to go to anywhere to get the water. I'll be providing it for you. And all you have to do is just harvest the crops because I'm going to be providing this for you. But God says, but you have to obey my commands. See, this is what happens. It's, it's interesting because I think this is what happens when, because this is Jesus right here. Jesus is the living water when he kills a woman at the well. But whoever drinks of water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. That's Jesus when he takes, when he comes into our life and we, we, we uh, seek him. He's the living water. We're this, we've already had that seed. The word of God is already planted in our hearts. We just have to keep watering it <clears throat> and keep watering it so it'll grow. <clears throat> and if you follow Jesus, he said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So I believe that that chapter right there is a reflection of Jesus. You know, look where you came from. Hard ground, the desert. And you were being oppressed, which is sin. The Egyptians were, you know, uh, is a symbolism for the sin because they were being oppressed. But now you're free. And who's here going to be your leader? Who's going to be your king? It's God. He's going to take care of you. And God's going to provide the rain. And Jesus is the living water. I think that's just amazing to me. That's fascinating. But here's what happens if you disobey. Verse 16, take heed to yourselves lest your heart be deceived and you turn aside and serve other gods and worship them. Lest the Lord's anger be aroused against you and he shut up the heavens and so that there will be no rain. And the land Yield no produce, and you perish quickly from the land which the Lord is giving you. We have to realize that what we have is not because of us. It's because of God. I mean, all the blessings that I ha- we have, it's because of God. And we need to share that with our kids. You know, especially when we were coming home from, um, uh, from Red River a few weeks ago, my kids asked me, hey, when you were in, High school, what's the craziest thing you did? And I'm like, uh. number one, it was embarrassing. And number two, I don't want them to do the same things I would do. <laughs> the 
so I remember, I mean, I used to party a lot when I was younger, too, when I was in high school. And, you know, I would drive, drink and drive, and the kids go, is that it? I'm like, well, that's pretty bad. <laughs> you know, I could have hurt somebody. I could have killed myself, or I could have killed somebody, you know. It's pretty dangerous. Um, but then again, if I don't tell my kids of what I did, then the world's going to tell them what to do, you know, and I don't want that. I need to tell the kids and keep my kids and keep and tell people about Jesus. And that's what we're here for. Jesus told us to go make disciples of the world. And that's what we need to be doing. And we're, we're always adding to our story every day. Because it's pretty easy for pride to take over. If you read in Joshua, they conquered Jericho, one of the toughest cities. The biggest cities right there, they conquered it. Well, actually, they didn't even have to do anything. All they had to do was march around the building six times, seven, except for seven days. And the last day, seven days, and the whole walls came crashing down. And then they're like, man, that was easy, right? So somebody stole goods or some silver or something, but they didn't share. They kept it hidden. It's a hidden sin. So they were about to conquer another land, but it, the word says that they didn't consult God. And what did they do? They said that little group overthrew them. And then they're crying, God, why did, why did you do this? And God said, no, no, you didn't, come, you didn't seek me, but you need to figure out who has the sin in your group. And they figured it out. And guess what? As soon as that sin was exposed, everything was fine. And the word says, you know, every sin will be exposed. <laughs> and it is very true. It's very true. And Deuteronomy 18, 21 Therefore, you shall lay up these words of mine in your heart and in your soul and bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall teach them to your children, speaking of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. And you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates, that your days and the days of your children may be multiplied in the land of which the Lord swore to your fathers to give them like the days of the heavens above the earth. <clears throat> we need to be telling our kids, men, we're the spiritual leaders of our household. We need to be leading, hey, it's time to pray. Hey, you know, it's time to do a Bible study. Hey, we should be the ones that be waking up the family on Sunday mornings and say, let's go to church. We need to be doing that. <clears throat> Right now, it's so easy to be influenced by the world, especially with social media and your phone. All you have to do is look in your phone, and you can see what's going on anywhere in the whole world. And so much negativity is going on. It's why it's important for us to stay focused in the word and share with people about Jesus in the hope that there, that there is hope. A lot of people right now are going through that there is no hope of what's going on, you know, with gas prices going up so high. <clears throat> no, there is hope, and that hope is Jesus, and we need to share people. Or we need to share what Jesus has done for us. So how are we going to apply this every day? <clears throat> well, number one is stay in the word. You know, stay in the word and pray. If you pray, hey, God, I haven't seen somebody in a while. Let me bring somebody into my life. Oh, God, we'll, be, we'll give you somebody to share your testimony with or give them an opportunity to tell them about Jesus you go to especially if you go to the grocery store man there's tons of people right there there's your missionary work right there teach tell somebody about Jesus when you're standing in line or something 
I like what uh, Brett said on Sunday. He wears that Bob Ross T-shirt. I remember uh, we were at SeaWorld <clears throat> a few years ago, and I had a, this Anchorman T-shirt with Will Ferrell in the front. It was bright red, and, you know, they always put people up on the screen. I told the kids, I'm going to be up there on that screen. Sure enough, they go, hey, shout out to the Anchorman guy. And I was up there, and the kids were like, Dad, that's embarrassing. <clears throat> So share your, your testimony. It should be, uh, I got this from C.S. Lewis uh, Institute. Your testimony should be about three to five minutes when you give it to somebody. Don't make it 20, 30 minutes, an hour, because you'll lose interest. You'll have people lose interest. Keep it short and sweet right to the point. And you'll see how blessed you will be after you share your testimony, because you'll realize, hey, that was God that was doing that talking for me. Not me, but that was God. Because like I said, if you're like me, I don't like really giving my testimony because it's, it's embarrassing. <clears throat> Number two, protect your heart. This protects, sharing your testimony protects your heart because it, you realize that you can't do this on your own. We have to remember what God has done for us. Because if you don't, after a while, if you're not sharing your testimony or if you're not praying, you're like, wait, I did all this on my own. And you start becoming prideful. You start becoming like the king of Egypt, you know. And, uh, and you let pride get to you. But no, this is a perfect way to keep you humble. <clears throat> I once listened to a pastor and he said, you know how, to, how you never fall back or, you know, fall back from God? Pray. Read your word and pray for 15 minutes a day. Or pray for 15 minutes a day. Read your Bible for 15 minutes a day. And then share your testimony for 15 minutes a day, every day. And it will keep you from falling back. And then, of course, the last one, just stay in your word. Just stay in the word. Um, you know, when it talked about here in Deuteronomy, it says, that you, write, you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. That's, it just reminded me at the, at the church when we were at the new building on 45th in um, Western. We, they had that dedication to the church and everybody got markers and were writing scripture all over the walls or on the concrete on the walls before the new uh, sheetrock went up and the new carpeting or whatever goes on the floors it's just amazing it's scriptures all over that building and just a few weeks ago we went to a, to a cabin and they had pictures there and on the frame door frames frames and everything scriptures all over the place there's scriptures in our house too. We have, you know, we have um, pictures with the with the Bible verses all across. Because it's re it just helps to remind me that I need God, and especially at work. I have all these verses about anger, because if I get a phone call and an email, it's easy for me to emulate the angry person, and I get angry right back at them. And the Bible says, anger you can become a fool. And sometimes I've hung up the phone. And I'm like, oh yeah, I was such an idiot. <laughs> so. But it keeps you humble, and it keeps you strong, and it keeps your focus on God. Like, you cannot do this on your own. So, amen. Thank you for your time, gentlemen. That's it.